0: grace mercy and peace to you from our lord and savior jesus christ amen our text is from genesis three previously read and it is about the reversal of a great tragedy tragedy is a genre of artistic entertainment that was introduced by the ancient greeks roughly 400 years before christ Tragedies typically involve characters who exhibit many virtues, yet because of one flaw they end up in a terrible state. Usually the characters are fictional or drawn from ancient mythology. And the genre was used by Shakespeare in plays such as Romeo and Juliet, and yet is still used today mixed with drama in movies like Schindler's List, the Titanic, and the Gladiator. Our Old Testament lesson read from Genesis 3 is the tragic account of our human condition. Notice I did not say a story or a tale. It is the account Moses recorded in Holy Scripture. It is not a story or a fairy tale, but an accurate account account of God's interaction with his creation, most especially man, who he created in his own image. At the point of our text in Genesis 3, the fruit has been eaten, Adam and Eve have realized their nakedness, and they have sewn loincloths together for themselves. It is at this point that fear enters the world. And, Q and you imagine, um, uh, we're not dead, but we need some loincloths. We need some fig leaves. We need them now. And uh, we need to hide behind a bush. And they're hiding from God. In fear, they're hiding from God. Can you imagine their shock as their eyes were open? God had given them an identity we can scarcely imagine. God had breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life and made him a living creature and given him his spirit. He formed Eve in a very personal manner, taking a rib from Adam's side. He made her, or more appropriately, he built her. It is the only instance in the creation account where this verb is used. It was a special work to build for Adam a suitable and appropriate helper out of a part of him. She was not formed from dust or simply spoken into, into being. And they lived in a place where they were with God and he was with them. And they were not afraid before that point. Compare that to the Exodus much later when God was at Mount Sinai and the people were so afraid. They didn't even want to be near him. God was a tender father. Adam and Eve. In his benevolence, he'd given them the heavens and the earth, the sun, moon, stars, and seasons, the seas and land, and all the life that was in and on them, and they were headship of it all. He gave them the gift of language so he could communicate with them, and he gave them marriage and family. With all these good gifts, he also gave them a gift of free will. They were not captives or slaves to God. They had the capacity to turn from God, who had given them all things, even their very lives. This is where the greatest tragedy occurs. They turn away from all the gifts of God in an attempt to be like God. The serpent came and told them, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. There was a selfish desire within them in their wills, and it is the origin of sin. They had one command recorded in Genesis 2:16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Don't eat the tree. What happened? Adam was her head. He was to defend her, to protect her. Why didn't he stop her from eating it in the first place? He was right there. But Satan went to the woman instead. And Adam stood there, possibly thinking, hmm, well, okay, um, she's eating it. Is she going to die? No, guess not. It does look pretty good. Okay. Okay. I'll take some. It was self-absorption, self-will, self-assertion. This reality is ours, too. We become immersed in selfish things at the expense of God and our neighbor. What's in it for me? We turn from God toward what we want, feel we need, and feel will satisfy our interests and desires. We hide ourselves from God's word, where he tells tells us, his creation, what is good, for those he has created and of the many dangers that lie waiting to destroy them. Would you like examples? If you have listened or read to the news in the past days and weeks, we all remember the school shooting in Noblesville a few weeks ago. But last week I heard an afternoon radio personality state that it was the first Friday in three weeks they had not had to report on a school shooting. Shootings in which the perpetrators seem to be nothing but centered on their own interests and feelings of self, however deranged, versus godly thoughts toward one's neighbor. There's also a pride parade and celebration going on this weekend, pride in homosexual behavior that is a sin. There's no interest in God or Christ, no interest in confession of sins and receiving forgiveness and turning from one's sinful ways. It is all about pride in one's self and individual self will, absorption, and assertion. Often you will hear the comment, If there is a God, my condition is his fault anyway. He made me this way. It's the oldest excuse in the book. That book, being the Bible, it's the excuse Adam tried to use. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate it. It really is your fault, God. I mean, She was your idea, and look where that got me. Yet, in God's unimaginable grace, he came to Adam. He did not ask, where are you? Because he did not know where Adam was. He knew exactly where Adam was hiding. He asked to show Adam the law that changed his relationship with God, a relationship where he now hides in fear versus being in fellowship with God and unafraid. God's mercy is shown in a question versus immediate condemnation, like the curse given to the serpent. Eating the fruit was eating poison, a poison passed from generation to generation that kills us, and we are just as naked before God with no excuse for our sin. But God also gave a promise to them that he would not abandon them, but would reverse the curse that descended upon creation. It would be the seed of the woman, that would provide the reversal. The promise continues through Genesis and all the Old Testament. The seed of the woman, our relationship with God, is restored. And that promise is for us too. St. Paul writes in Romans 8 1, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends in Christ, the curse is reversed. Our relationship with our neighbor is restored in the seed. Jesus tells us, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. We are not to hate our enemies, but love them and intercede for them in prayer to God that he would come, that they too would come in faith to Christ and find peace. In the seed of the woman, Isaiah looks to the future and shows us the promise of the world renewed, Behold, I create a new heavens and new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. This is both now, as our sins are forgiven and remembered no more by God when we confess them and and seek forgiveness, and in the future when we no longer will be tormented by the devil who accuses us and reminds us of, of our failings in this life that are forgiven by God for the sake of the seed of the woman who is Christ. That future is our life in heaven with our life with God fully restored. So rejoice and be glad in Christ Jesus. The tragedy of our sin and self-will has been reversed. We no longer live in the shadow of death that hanging over us as children of Adam and Eve. It is gone. We live in Christ eternally, even now. We have the privilege of sharing this reality of the new life in Christ and the reversal of the tragedy of sin that has befallen all men. Our identity and the narrative of our lives is defined by Jesus' death and resurrection, to which we have been joined in the blessed sacrament of holy baptism. We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In Revelations 21.5, it tells us that from his throne at the Father's right hand, the living Christ speaks to us. He says, I am making all things new. And now may this peace, the newness that Christ gives, that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.